Welcome to Health Now from WebMD. I'm your host, Carrie Gann. Each week on this podcast, we give you simple strategies to improve your body, mind, and well being. This week, do certain foods delay menopause? New research says they might. Then, the truth about how vaping affects your health. Next, we hear from one woman about how she moved past the guilt of being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Finally, our tweak of the week will help make exercise easier. That's all coming up. Here's some interesting news in women's health. Could what you eat affect when menopause starts? That's the question that scientists at the University of Leeds in Britain set out to answer. Now, the average age for menopause is 51. Basically, women who haven't had a period for 12 months in a row are in menopause. The researchers studied 35,000 women for four years and found that women who ate a lot of refined carbs, things like pasta and rice, entered menopause about a year and a half earlier than the average age of 51. On the other hand, women who ate more oily fish and legumes, that's beans, peas, and lentils, started menopause about three years later than normal. So what's the link there? Doctors say carbs could lead to insulin resistance, which ultimately results in higher estrogen levels. And that could cause more cycles and use up your eggs faster. The result is earlier menopause. Meanwhile, legumes and fish are a source of antioxidants, and other studies of antioxidants like vitamin B6, zinc, and carotenoids have linked them to a later onset of menopause. Now, doctors caution that this study isn't 100% proof positive of cause and effect, there are many other factors that influence the onset of menopause. That said, there are a lot of healthy benefits from eating fish and legumes versus refined carbs, so there's really no reason not to make that swap in your diet. Here are some things you can add to your menu. Start with oily fish, like salmon, lake trout, mackerel, herring, sardines, and tuna. And to get some legumes in your diet, you might try chickpeas, also called garbanzo beans. You can cook them till they're soft or whip them into hummus. Try steamed edamame as a side or add it on top of a salad. Fava beans, which are sometimes called broad beans, are also delicious. They can liven up a stew or stand on their own as a side dish. And lentils are a mainstay of many Indian dishes and they also work well in soups. So there's lots of tasty choices out there. You might not even miss the refined carbs. These days, it's almost as common to see someone puffing on an e-cigarette or vaping as it is to see them smoking an actual cigarette, and maybe more so. And the places that sell these gadgets, vape shops, seem to be popping up on every corner. But what exactly are they? An e-cigarette is basically a battery-powered device that delivers nicotine. And that's the highly addictive chemical that makes cigarettes so hard to quit. They can look like pens, flash drives, or even regular cigarettes. They work by heating a liquid that has nicotine, flavorings, and other chemicals into a vapor that you inhale and exhale. Some people turn to e-cigarettes to quit smoking, so they can get a nicotine fix without using regular cigarettes. But a lot of experts are concerned that vape pens might entice non-smokers, especially teens and kids, to start using them and develop a nicotine addiction. These products are fairly new in the long history of smoking, and researchers are trying to learn more about their health effects. 
We wanted to get to the facts and what doctors know and don't know about them from our chief medical editor, Dr. Michael Smith. Hey, Dr. Smith. Hi there. What makes an e-cigarette different from the real thing? Obviously, people know that by now that cigarettes are bad for you. So what's different about an e-cigarette? Right. So with a regular cigarette, you're burning it, right? Mm -hmm. Which you're obviously not doing with an e-cigarette. And that actually is why we think e-cigarettes are safer. Notice I did not say safe. <laughs> because when you burn a cigarette, you are producing a lot of toxic chemicals that lead to cancer, heart disease, etc. However, even an e-cigarette has toxic chemicals in it that you are still breathing into your lungs. But it's really just that lack of burning that really differentiates the two. Okay, interesting. So what are the risks specifically of vaping as opposed to the traditional tobacco cigarettes that right. we know? You know, in fact, we're starting to see some similar risks. There have been some studies showing an increased risk of heart disease mm -hmm. in people who vape, actually pretty significant, maybe even on par with the risk of having diabetes. Uh, there is a risk of lung disease from vaping. Specifically, some flavors can have a chemical called diacetyl in it, which is actually also found in like uh, popcorn flavoring ah. and is why we call it popcorn lung that they can get because we originally saw it in people who worked in popcorn factories. Hmm. The medical term being bronchiolitis obliterans. Trust me, you don't want either one, right? It's right. a very severe lung disease that comes specifically from some of the flavors. Right? So we're really start, we're kind of, e-cigarettes are really new, right? There was research saying that there are no known long-term effects of it, vaping. Known being the, the word, right? Right. I bet we probably could have said the same thing about cigarettes in the early days because it's going to take a while for us to really start seeing the effects, but already the research is coming out pretty fast and furious about the, the ill health effects that people can sustain from e-cigarettes and vaping. Right. It just hasn't been a long time since these things That's have been right. around. That's right. I mean, don't fool ourselves into thinking these are safe. Right. Are they safer than regular cigarettes? Probably, right? We think the, the, the chemicals that you're being exposed to are maybe less toxic and fewer, but no one really will, can say that these are safe and we're already finding out that they're not. Right. And, and speaking of that, a lot of people use vaping as a way to quit smoking, which is a noble goal, obviously. Yep. Does it really help people quit or do we even know yet? If, is there research on that that can tell us that for sure? There is a problem. There is no research on it. You know, we use nicotine replacement in gums and patches to help people quit smoking and we know that does work. It does help. Theoretically, it makes sense that getting the nicotine through an e-cigarette would help as well, but we really can't say that. We just don't know. The problem is you're not breaking the habit of still toking or smoking or sucking on you know, the vapor into your lungs. Right. You're still exposing yourself to a lot of chemicals, whereas at least with the nicotine patch, it's just nicotine. With the e-cigarettes, it's nicotine plus everything else that you're, you're breathing in. So right. I think we can safely say that if you're attempting to quit smoking, use something we know that works and is, is safer than an e-cigarette. Right, and breaks, the, like you said, that physical breaks. habit of That's having right. something in your hands or in your yeah. mouth, that makes sense. There's been a lot of concern recently, especially about teens and kids using these products. Recently, the FDA has been warning e-cigarette manufacturers about using flavors or packaging mm -hmm. that might appeal to kids, um, which the companies say that they're not trying to do that purposefully. Are these products different for kids versus adults? Well, the risks are pretty much the same. 
but I think there's no doubt that the flavors and there's a coolness factor associated with vaping today, no doubt. I mean, my family is, I have a person, a kid in my family who never smoked and is now vaping and is addicted mm. to nicotine purely from vaping. And I'm sure my family isn't alone. We're definitely seeing a lot more of that. In fact, 30% of high school seniors have tried vaping. Really? Compared to 4% have tried smoking. So smoking, traditional smoking, has gone way down. Vaping has gone way up. So we are absolutely going to start seeing some bad associations with vaping given the, the numbers that are doing it. That's interesting, especially if the message is out there that it's, hey, it's safe. It's not a typical cigarette. Yeah. It's different. And if anybody believes mm -hmm. that more than is teens, right? They're, that's the messaging that they're hearing and that it's just water vapor, right? No big deal. You know, loaded with a bunch of chemicals. There's a lot more to it than that right. for sure. So is the obviously the FDA is sort of making some moves here. Um, is the government doing anything to either make sure this, the products themselves are safer or to keep young people from getting mm -hmm. a hold of them? Well, legally, you're not allowed to buy e-cigarettes as a, you know, under 18. Legally, right? Sure. They're also available online. So how are we really policing <laughs> how that? How can you exactly keep um, a hold of that? Yeah. Any e-cigarette that has come on the market after 2007 does need to go through some level of FDA review and approval. However, it can still be on the market during that approval process. Mm. Can still be exposing you to who knows what chemicals for however long period of time it takes the FDA to evaluate them. And we really don't know how long that process is taking. We do know that some e-cigarettes have been found to produce formaldehyde, the cancer-causing chemical, as well as some of these other chemicals that we've already been talking about. Wow, so really, we just don't know that much about them and, and what they could actually do. There's a lot we don't know, and what we do know, none of it's very good. All right, well, important information about vaping Thank you so much, Dr. Smith, for passing that along. Great to be here. Many people with type 2 diabetes feel guilty when they get their diagnosis. They tend to blame themselves for having the disease. That was how Katie Dearman felt when she learned she had the condition. But then she learned the lifestyle changes she had to make made her feel better than she could have imagined. Let's hear her story. Getting my diagnosis was a negative in the beginning and that I spent so much time being down about it and beating myself up over it. Sure, I wish I would have tackled it sooner and done something about it sooner, but I didn't. That's in the past, but I've done something now and that's what counts. When my doctor told me I had type two diabetes full blown, I remember feeling a huge sense of guilt that I had done this to myself. I'm responsible for this. Some people can do it on their own completely. I'm not one of those. I need accountability. If you can do it with at least one other person, that's very helpful because of the support and encouragement you can give each other. The very first thing I had to do was understand what diabetes was. I started making better food choices, learning the different foods and 
and the effect of the sugar on me when I started getting off the sugar and how I started feeling so much better and then I would eat something really really sweet and I would actually feel the sugar dump that was a horrible feeling I think I had been eating so much sugar that I never got to the dump part I don't know but it was it was really an awful feeling when I started out walking I I couldn't go very far. We're talking couch to like end of the driveway and I was out of breath and I was embarrassed to go out and walk. So I walked in front of the TV. I walked the circle in our house. So from there it grew. I started going outside a little bit and again, I could not go very far, but I kept increasing it and increasing it. I've actually jogged. I mean, Katie Derman has jogged out in public where people could see me. I didn't realize how bad I felt until I felt better. And when I started feeling better, oh my gosh, I wanted more and more and more. That is a huge motivator. My life has gone from zero to 150 in energy and being positive and being excited about being alive. That's Katie Dearman talking about her new life with type 2 diabetes. And maybe you want to feel better, have more energy, and start controlling your diabetes like Katie did. As you heard, exercise is key. It helps your body use insulin, which controls your blood sugar. It burns extra body fat, lowers blood pressure and bad cholesterol, improves blood flow, and tames stress, to name just a few of the benefits. So here's how you can make it part of your life. Start by making a list of activities you like. It's fine if you hate jogging. Do you like dancing, playing a sport or swimming, or working outside in the garden? Anything that raises your heart rate counts. Once you know what you'd like to try, get your doctor's okay to get started. He or she can also give you tips to stay safe while you're exercising. You should also make sure you know when to check your blood sugar. Exercise can affect it, so make sure you know if you should do it before, during, or after exercise or all three. And speaking of blood sugar, it's a good idea to carry a small carb snack like fruit or a fruit drink in case your blood sugar gets too low while you're working out. Make sure you're drinking plenty of water too. And as you get started, remember, you want to ease into exercise, especially if you haven't done it for a while. Start with just 10 minutes if you need to. You can gradually work up to 30 minutes a day. And don't make it all cardio. Strength training can also improve your blood sugar. Try to do some muscle building moves twice a week, like lifting weights, working with resistance bands, or doing bodyweight exercises like squats and push-ups. Also, think about working out with a friend or a family member. Exercise can be more fun when it's social, of course. Plus, it's a good idea to have someone with you who can help you if your blood sugar gets too low. And finally, take care of your body. If something hurts you suddenly, stop. Mild soreness is normal, but sudden pain is not. Also, take good care of your feet. Get a good pair of shoes that match the activity you're doing. And check your feet every day for any blisters, cuts, or other foot problems. With the right plan, you can make exercise part of your everyday healthy routine and get your diabetes under control. Now it's time for our tweak of the week. Take that workout outside. It might feel easier. And that's not just us saying that. There's actually new research on this. 
people who hiked outside were happier and less tired than those who did a treadmill workout or who did nothing. Now, you may not have the mountains outside your door, but you can still stroll through the park, go for a hike, or take a bike ride through your favorite neighborhood. You might even have outdoor yoga classes in your community. So smooth on some sunscreen, grab your water bottle, and let's get out there. And tell us how it goes. You can share with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this week. Thanks to everyone for joining us, and thanks to everyone who's subscribed to the podcast so far. Talk to you next week. Thank you.